seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 136 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 137 episodes, I still got my main man somehow making a go of it still in Texas, Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? Going well. We're uh, June is here. It's uh, already hot AF. <laughs> so grid, we're crossing our fingers on the power grid. <laughs> Dude, I got to tell you, I'm going to be in Richmond this weekend for Command Fest. And I looked at the weather and I was like, damn, it's going to be like 90 degrees. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, I'm living in a place where we just had 70 for the first time yesterday. Wow. Yeah. Like that's the highest it's been so far this year. That's not true. I think we had one day that got like 80 ish or whatever. Oh my so like, God. We've had two days north of 70 at all this year. So I'm just like, man, <laughs> like I am not prepared yet. <laughs> no, you're not. Fortunately, it's going to be mostly indoors with AC. So I'll, I'll survive. But I tell you, man, if you move out of Texas and you move up to the northwest or whatever, like you you get soft after like three years. <laughs> well, because you just don't deal with it ever. Like I like nothing out here kills you. Like there's no moccasins in the water. There's no rattlesnakes. No, that's not true. If you go on the western eastern side of the mountains, there are. But western okay. side, nothing. Like it's crazy. Like literally, I had to train myself that it's okay for me to walk across my grass with no shoes on. Because in Texas, like every there's there's all types of sticker birds and fire yeah. ants and whatever. Oh like, God, yeah, yeah, murderers. There's there's thorns on plants that have thorns just for the sake of having thorns. No benefit. They just have thorns in their new yard. Like up here, not a thing. Crazy. It's completely different. But before we get into today's show, why don't we pay some love to our folks over at Cardsphere.com? They're just a really cool place to buy and sell cards. Matter of fact, I have a huge collection I just went through. By the way, video coming out on Friday if you want to check my YouTube channel where I made eight times my money buying a collection. So it's pretty crazy. And I'm going to sell a lot of those things through Cardsphere because I know I can set the price. I know I can get what I want. The site's easy to use. You should check them out. They've been big supporters of our show and you'll probably like their website. So go check them out. They are Cardsphere.com. And then... Another cool thing is that if you want to support the show, you can go over to patreon.com slash color of magic and be just like William Tonyes. I hope I got that right. They have been supporting the show since July 2021. So thank you for that. And we do normally do giveaways on the first show of the month. However, because I'm going to be flying and stuff, I'm going to do the giveaways and announce them next week. So I make sure I get them all out and everything else. I don't want to have like stuff overhanging and not deliver on our promise. So Check out next week's show. We will announce the winners and we'll have stuff in the mail to you. And we also have our own merchandise, if you will. We have some play mats and tokens over at colorofmtg.com slash shop. And I literally, just before we started the show, I went to my door and picked them up. We got the new tokens delivered. They are now in my hands. So I'm going to try to get them listed on the site over the weekend so people can start ordering them and we can get them out next week. However, if you show up and hang out with me at Command Fest this weekend, I might just give you some so you can come by and get the first of the new tokens, which would be pretty sweet. And then I got to mail some to you, Brian, because I literally just got them in. So you have some for yourself. But all that being said, why don't we get into the show? Because, man, we have some things this week to talk about. 
And I'm not going to lie. This one kind of bugs me a little bit because unless you've been hiding under a rock, you know, there's been a lot of crazy news in the last week, right? Last two weeks, really, with all the shootings and everything else that's happening and businesses being crazy. But it's kind of concerning when I see people take these issues that are big like that, right? And those news cycles and the stuff we talk about, they don't even last the weekend, right? Something happens on a Friday. We're done with it before Sunday morning even comes around. But we talked about the slap, if you will, for what felt like three weeks, you know, and it's just like people wanted to make as big a deal of that, like trying to end Will Smith's career and all this other stuff. And it's like, yo, we had grocery stores being shot up and kids being killed or whatever. And we're acting like that just wasn't a thing after like 48 hours. Like that's wild to me. Like watching somebody say something stupid in in a magic thread on Twitter. And then that person's the main villain for like four days, you know, but then something really wrong happens and we're just like, yeah, all right, that's messed up. We talk about it a lot for a day and then we're done. And it's like, yo, we got to focus our energy on things that really need the attention. All right, don't get me wrong. Somebody says something dumb or whatever, like, you know, court of public opinion. You know the game you're playing out there. Stuff's going to happen, right? But, like, that should be a thing that lasts, like, a day. Maybe two, depending on how dumb it was what they said. And we got to put our energy on things that, like, really shape things, really change things. And we've talked about it on the show. There's been some stuff even Wizards have done or artists have done or whatever that need attention. And some of those don't even like last more than a day or two. But then randomly, you can have a player say one thing or, I don't know, Wizards post the wrong information about a player or something. And then it's just like, oh, how could they be so terrible? How can they disrespect somebody? And it's like, really? That's the thing? You know, somebody basically put the wrong information or made a typo or whatever and like, that's the thing we're going to be bent out of shape for for a week. Like it's it, like it's it's tough, man. Because part of it is, I look around and say, like, our community is full of such smart people and creative people, and I know they're better than that. But then you see the activities and stuff, and you go, like, are we really better than that? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. part of you really wants to buy into that, but then the other part, you go, like, no, nah, we're not. <laughs> like. We should be. We have all the the information that says we are, but we're really not. We're no better. We're just like everybody else. Uh, it's 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 tiring though sometimes because we have people, and I get messages regularly. We have stuff that comes through the the Twitter feed and just like the DMs where people are like, oh, what about this issue? And what about that issue? And I'm like, that's not even worth us making a story about on the show. Like it's something really small and minor, and like. You know, I get it. People want to be outraged about every little thing, but like, I'm just going to be real with y'all. Like, there are some things, and you know, as well as I do, Brian, we talked about it on the show. If we tried to be outraged about every little thing that happened or every time we were ignored, disrespected, blah, blah, whatever, like, hell, we'd have four hour long episodes every week. Like, it's just, it's just not worth the time and energy. When we have bigger issues we can talk about, and focus our energy. And we try to do that on the show. Like there's things that y'all will never know or hear about that me and Brian discuss off the air that just never make it to the show. Because they're like, eh, that's a thing we could talk about, but eh, we got to squeeze it out. It's not that important. 
you know, because it's just not worth contributing to the crowd noise if it's not something. One, half the stuff that people are complaining aren't even actionable in a lot of cases. It's like, just want to be mad about a thing. Like, nothing's going to change or whatever. It's like, why are we wasting energy on that? But, like, there's things we can affect and things that do matter and things that will change that if we focus on those as a group, we can make more things happen. But if you're trying to be outraged about every single thing, then what's going to... I, I think I told the story recently at Wizards. Like, we literally had to train some people to just ignore some stuff you posted online because it's basically like a bunch of kids who cried wolf, right? Like, every single time, like, every day can't be an emergency. Something's going to get ignored. But if you save it for the times it's really important and you get a groundswell, you get way more action, way more attention. But yeah, man, like it's uh, new cycles. It's just been rough lately. It's yeah. been rough. All right, I'm going to get off that and let you have your time, man. I mean, I'm at this point, I'm assuming that a bunch of high profile comedians have just gotten together and said, hey, we're going to go full transphobia. We're going to take the heat off of Dave Chappelle because I can think of another explanation. We're just kind of sort of we're supposed to believe randomly Dave Chappelle, Ricky Gervais, Bill Maher all get on television. D.L. Hewley apparently this weekend had some transphobic material they all just go on to the same topic at the same time when unless it's something that's obviously like like the slap unless it's something everybody's talking about when do all these comedians from with different shows different background through one's life all just go in on the same topic it just it seems like a coordinated attack to me and i don't understand well, i mean i guess you know there's always you know, getting publicity if you go by the theory that there is no such thing as bad publicity. And the crazy thing is, you know, some of these, I'm saying the overall majority of these aren't even good jokes. They're doing attack helicopter style jokes. You would, you would expect that if you went out to, you know, your local, your local small town comedy club, defensive driving class or whatever. But for Mike, some, Knights, right. Yeah. But for some of the best comedians in the world to be doing these tired jokes is just, first of all, sad. Second of all, offensive, I guess, only for offensiveness sake. It just, you know, I, I'm with you, man. It's and we talked about this off the air. Like, it's a little weird to me when I see some of these same comedians that within the last two or three years have done other sets about those topics that were much more positive. Yeah. At the very least, the jokes were at least creative. And then now it's more like just a negative messaging thing more than even a joke a lot of the time. And that's the part I don't get. Cause I don't, I don't know where that originates from or what happened that changed the opinions. You know, like I got, I got no clue. I mean, I would, you know, expect this from hack comedians. Like I said, your, your local, you know, open mic night or whatever that can't, you know, can't write better material. But for, again, people like Dave Chappelle, Bill Maher, Ricky Joe, who are some of the best comedians working. I'm just going to assume you're, you know, you're just a jerk. Basically, if you were, if, if this is the material you come up with, and you know, it's not even creative. There's the Hollywood Illuminati out there. Maybe certain people paying certain people, man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's crazy. I'm, but I'm with you, though. It's it's a weird thing to see all at one time. You know, I, I don't know. And I tell people, like, 
I'm one of those people a lot of people don't like because I do think you can joke about nearly anything. You know, my, my black jokes included, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of because let's be real, like every group, every culture has some stuff that's kind of silly and funny yeah. or whatever. And if you've been around it, like, you know, right? Like, there's things we do as black people that, you know, like, ask any black person, how many times you walk to the fridge and literally you just open it up to look at your food and then you close the fridge. Like, if you're a black kid and you did that, you got about 30 seconds before some adult in your house is going to tell you, hey. (laughs) Exactly. Right. But it's a thing. Like, I don't know why it's a thing. I just know it's a thing. Like, ain't no damn reason. But, you know, so people joking about that stuff and calling out like, yeah, it's funny. Right. And Helen, I grew up around Hispanic culture, so I've seen a lot of things that sometimes I'm going to joke about some stuff and like people might be mad, but it's coming from a place of love because I grew up around it and I appreciate that, right? But there's ways to deliver the jokes. You know, when you're, when we talked about that, like, you know, Bill Burr being a good example. Yep. Right. He talks a lot about black culture and black jokes or his like Hispanic housekeeper or whatever, but like, it's how you deliver it and the perspective you're putting on it. And it's at least funny and creative and whatever. So it's so hard to be offended by that. Cause you're looking and going, yeah, he's right. That is kind of funny, you know, whatever. But when and just- he wrote actual jokes, I mean, some of Chappelle stuff is just like, Hey, you know, I'm team turf and you're waiting for the setup, the punchline or anything. he just declared himself a turf. Like, man, I, I can only assume he's a turf. Cause he just said it the biggest ones were like i said two years prior he had a set where he was talking about one of his trans friends and how they were coming to his shows and was trying to be a comedian and then he eventually had a relationship with their kid or whatever and it's like okay cool so you told a joke and then you made it personal and gave an antidote and whatever cool and then you're just like yeah turfs are cool right you know what i mean like, yeah. wow, those like are not what has even, happened yeah but those aren't even close to the same so i don't i don't get it and the, and the worst part for me is seeing that bleed over into other communities, you know, because these are people that a lot of people find funny or look up to or whatever. So when that becomes the acceptable norm, it eventually bleeds down even to our communities, you know, where people start trying to justify certain perspectives or whatever. And it sucks. So, like, and I don't know why it's all I, I'm with you. It's a very sudden thing. And I, I don't I couldn't even explain why. I said, maybe it's just uh, just for the relevance or, you know, the uh, t- to get attention. I mean, maybe. I mean, you, maybe you're right. Maybe that's the only goal. Like, you see what attention is getting for other people. And if you're, you're falling off, you know, a Dennis Miller, you know, like, yeah. you go like, well, I know one way I can get people talking about me. Yeah, Dennis Miller's transformation from, you know, far left to, to, to far right. It was just mind blowing to me. But even then, I said, you know, how many liberals, you know, to even was the last time they even mentioned Dennis Miller? Yeah. So, I mean, on that, I guess as you know, if, if I were to put myself in the shoes of Dennis Miller's agent, you go, hey, man, nobody's talking about you. Yep. There, there, there's room on the right, you know. Hey, and here's the reality. Like, nobody wants to admit it. But I know for a fact, that, like the right pays. Because they they need the outrage. They And me and you have talked about it. Like, if we just decided we wanted to go full-on conservative, we could get interviews and everything right now. Yeah, because there's that, that deadline for conservatives of color. Yep. Like, that's it. So, I, I, I'm i not saying I agree with it. I, I got more morals than that to do it. 
but I can see how and why people do it. It's it's a it's a tough time, man. It it should also be warned that hey, once you've crossed over, it's hard to cross back because Stacey Dash has announced she's seen the errors of her ways and she's ready to date black men again. And I mean, we're hearing crickets. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's just you, like sorry, Stacey. Uh, you must repent. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> we're gonna have to pay for some sins before before <laughs> you get to come back across that line. As somebody who watched Clueless more times than is probably legal, I, you know, it, it pains me to. Have canceled Stacy Dash, but yeah, I feel like she canceled. Yeah, that's a rough one, man. That's a rough one. All right, it let's get on soul. interesting and positive things because you know what time it is. We're always trying to learn new things. We're always trying to tell people about crazy stuff we find out. So, why don't you tell everybody what you found out this week, Brian? All right, I was watching one of those 10 million shows, you know, about hey, this is my weird medical condition nobody could diagnose, and I I saw one where I thought they were making it up at first. I had to do more research. Are you familiar with auto brewery syndrome, Daquan? Not even a little bit. Also known as gut fermentation, and I'm going to probably master this, endogenous ethanol fermentation. Basically, it's an extremely rare condition that makes you drunk without actually consuming alcohol. And how it happens chemically is apparently your body takes the sugar and the starchy food that you cons- that you've consumed, which is carbohydrates, and it uses you know your own basically your, your body turns that through all you know, the various digestive processes in your body turns the yeast in your body into alcohol, and if there's enough of it in your bloodstream, you can become drunk the same way you would had you popped open uh, several cold ones. So you could be the cheapest date ever by somebody getting you a small fries at McDonald's. Right. That's wild. <laughs> and they interviewed a, a couple of people. And I mean, to listen to them talk and see their behavior, you would swear that they are. Well, they, as they technically are intoxicated, but you wouldn't believe them when they said they had not consumed any alcohol. Is that like a one in like a hundred thousand thing? Or it's, like- it's, it's extremely rare. So it might not even be one. It's probably... I guess, well, I don't want to spout numbers when I'm not decided, but this is extremely rare. So that's wild. I'm to turn 47 this year, and that was the first time I heard of it. Like, I'm just trying to figure out, like, how do you, I wonder when you find out you have that. I guess you just, you basically wake up drunk one day and you know you haven't consumed any alcohol. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Because, like, but, like, let's say you wake up, like, you, Let's say you've never even been drunk, right? The first time it happens. Yeah. So you might just think like, ah, I've got an upset stomach and, you know, my head, maybe I got a migraine because my head's kind of dizzy or whatever. And you just live life. You know what I mean? Like, you don't yeah. know you're drunk. You're just like, oh, I guess I'm sick or whatever. Yeah. And then like, you, got, you would almost have to get, you know, Dr. House or I'm sure like doctor number one is going to think you're full of it. Well, yeah. Dr. House would just tell you it's lupus and then be wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> That's how, but you know, I love that show because the one time it was lupus, I was like, "Oh crap!" It actually was lupus this time, yeah. <laughs> and I should have known when they were going to do it sooner or later. Right. right? But no, I'm with you, right? Like, like the only way. I mean, I guess the only way to find out is like I don't know. Maybe you get pulled over and somebody gives you a breathalyzer or something, or you fail like a a sobriety test. Because like, how else? W- I'm trying to figure out like. If this is a thing I had, how would I know I had it? Like, it's because you're saying it's so rare, you're right. A doctor, the first one you go to, may not even, he might just be like, oh, you just have this thing, you know, take a couple of 
I don't know, Excedrin and some Alka-Seltzer or whatever, right? So yeah, th- that's weird, man. That It's a cool thing to hear about, but like, I, I did not know that was a thing. You almost got to have witnesses, you know, that can confirm, yeah, he hasn't been anywhere. He or she has not, does not drink. Yeah, like that's so weird. I wonder how many people... You know how people say, like, no, I'm innocent, right? Like, there's some non-zero number of people that that might actually have been a thing for. There have been cases where people got pulled over for drunk driving and were eventually diagnosed with this. But you you, got to know they they had a a long, hard road to go through to convince anybody in the justice system this was an actual thing. Wow, that's so amusing. Well, damn, dude, I, I definitely I learned something today. Because that's a thing I had never even heard of. Huh. Well, mine isn't nearly as cool. But I had made a video, I guess this has been a couple months back now, to tell people about alternate 4th edition. Because I told you the story about how I had a guy send a card to, he thought it was fake or whatever. Turns out I had mailed him an alternate 4th edition, he didn't know. Well, I put the video up, explained it to everybody. And what's funny is, just recently, some people, I guess, rediscovered it or found out about it. Because, you know, sometimes social media or the recommendation system works like that on, on YouTube. So I've had a few people on my Twitter feed sharing pictures of just like, oh, yeah, I went through my stuff following the things you said. And I found this card and like I was able to tell it was this and whatever. So that's actually been pretty cool to me because, you know, you put stuff out there for educational purposes. And sometimes it's going to get seen. Sometimes it's not. But most people are out there like, I want deck list or I want like the news of the moment, right? So you know that other stuff isn't going to be as well received a lot of times, but it's a cool like public service to do. So it was pretty fun for me to see that people were actually, one, discovering it and using it, and then actually finding valuable stuff in their collections because of it. So that's been pretty exciting seeing the pictures and whatnot, because, you know, kind of one of the reasons I'm excited about Command Fest this weekend is I've been telling people like, you never really get to see people's engagement with your product or even know who's involved with it making content because I just see it at, from home. I see it from my yeah. perspective and, you know, I edit videos and I see the analytics or whatever. But unless some somebody specifically says, I got this, you know, experience from watching your stuff, I got no clue, man. So it's been very neat to watch that type of stuff develop or whatever. So Congratulations to those of you that are finding alternate fourth edition cards in your collections, because I think it's really neat. That it's kind of a, absolutely neat. a cool, rare piece of magic history. And these things are out in the world and a lot of people didn't even know. So that's actually really cool. So it's been exciting to see that for people. So hopefully more people find stuff. Because, again, I'm a big believer that a lot of people have more value in their collections than they know. So it's really neat to see it all kind of come together for folks and be like, hey, you had even more value than you thought because there's this rare cool thing that you didn't know about till right now so yeah just just a fun little exciting tidbit that i thought was pretty neat to share because that's one of the hardest things as a content creator like i said is especially during the pandemic because it's not like we've been able to go to events and go do special promotions with people or that you might do in the before time that we can do now so it's like you know i've been doing all my content basically during the pandemic it started a little bit before but you know, all but three or four months of it has basically been during the pandemic. So there's been nobody to talk to, to be like, oh man, I watch all your stuff or, hey, you know, it was crazy. Even just doing the little bit I did with the Hunter Burton thing was having somebody go like, oh, me and your kids watch your stuff or me and my kids watch your stuff, you know, after school or right before we go to bed or whatever. And like, that's cool. 
people are having like a family experience around my content. I but know, right? I never got to know that. You know what I mean? Like for two years, right? So you're kind of just making stuff and going like, you know, you get the occasional positive comment on a YouTube video or somebody hopping into Discord to say like, hey man, I really watch your video, like your videos or whatever. So it's pretty cool to actually get to have that experience. And that's one of the things I'm looking forward to this weekend. It's just like, hey, I get to actually engage with people face to face, you know, hopefully reasonably distanced, but at least face to face for the first time in two and a half years. Because because the wild thing is, I got people that been coming to my streams for two years, people that have watched every one of my YouTube videos, people that follow me on Twitter, people that listen to our podcast. Right. That I have never, ever interacted with in any way. When in my previous life, hell, I might have been doing an event a month, you know, or at least doing stuff, running local events with people or doing something or maybe traveling even just two or three hours to work on something with somebody, which none of those things exist now. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see that. So that's made me very happy just to see the people discovering stuff and them directly benefiting from it. So I'm hoping this weekend I have a Friday, Saturday set of videos coming too about the crazy collection I bought. And then Saturday's video is going to be, you know, giving people details and information on how they could find those collections. So another thing I hope people can benefit from, hopefully, but we'll see. But anyway, let's get into some news of the week. So. We have a couple of magic sets coming, but the one that's immediately going to drop this weekend for pre-releases for it is Commander Legends 2 Baldur's Gate. And there's a lot of people that feel some kind of way about this set because part of it, one, this does seem to have more direct fan appeal for role players, D&D players, whatever, than even the previous uh, Adventure in Forgotten Realms did. Which is pretty cool, because I mean, you at least check that box, right? It's got more of the known name characters. I think Elminster gets a, a Planeswalker card. So, like, lots of people you've seen and heard about in that universe are a thing. So, that's pretty cool. But it seems like there's kind of a split in the community right now. And I don't know, I'd be curious to kind of see how you feel about it, Brian. But there's people that are upset that we don't have the big like jeweled Lotus or whatever type card to chase down, right? There's no $7,500 card that people are talking about or amped up about or whatever. But then the other half of the community is pretty happy that there's a lot of just good quality, useful commander stuff, but none of it seems crazy over the top that people need to chase down. And it's interesting because like there's people like, well, nobody's going to care about the set later or whatever, because there's no chase cards. But then the other half is like, yeah, but there's a bunch of stuff that a lot of people can use that they might be excited about because it's all going to be like the rares and mythics and like the five to fifteen dollar range that's affordable for everybody. And I don't know. Like, well, what side of the camp do you fall on for that? You to know, start I'm with? always probably going to lean toward the more <laughs> casual. If there's a bunch of cards I can use, I like that better than there's you know three or four cards that are good or extremely high value. Yeah, you know, and, and I think I'm with you on that. Like, part of me does say, like, I like the other idea of there being some chase cards or some cards that are good for, like, legacy and vintage or whatever, because that draws some attention. And that's usually positive to a point. But I think we have a pretty unique situation in this one where this set 
still fills the need, I think, if you look across the board. There's all types of cards to be used in a bunch of different decks and whatever, and giving some decks redundancy that maybe needed it for a couple of cards, which is great. But we also have Command or Double Masters 2 coming in a month afterwards. So I don't think as a community, or hell, I think about it even from a store standpoint, I don't think most stores would even be benefited from having two sets back-to-back with a bunch of chase cards in it and only a 30-day window. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's supposed to be you know, a, a commander set is in theory. So I know there is a competitive commander community, but that I think it's still the minority. Most of the commander is still, you know, relatively casual. Yeah, for sure. And from the business perspective, one of the reasons I think it's difficult for because one, and this isn't to talk bad about any game store owners, but this is just retail entrepreneurs in general. A lot of them are already cash strapped on a, how I was going to say a month to month basis, some of them a daily basis. So having to have a big outlay of money for a set to make sure you get enough and everything. And then and within three weeks, be able to submit another big order and or payment to your distributor to get the next wave would be hard on a lot of stores. Now, the better stores, they understand this is coming. They will budget for it a month in advance or whatever. You know, even with and I know people say, ah, oh, but I don't have enough information when the site comes out or whatever. But I told people and I was discussing this with somebody on Twitter is that I still even if I thought the set was going to be gangbusters, I still would probably treat it the same way. Of like, I'm going to order modest to high on this set because I think it has longevity because it's going to be a commander based set and whatever. And that's always going to be positive. But I'm not going to expect it to necessarily blow out the gates, you know, for three, four, five weeks. I think it's going to be a nice steady burn because it's a commander set. But commander or double, double masters two, I expect to be a hot set. Because even if it's just like 70% as good as double masters one, there are so many big cards that can go in that set. Yeah, I mean, some masters is that, that's designed to be the, you know, the, Hey, we're just, we're dropping bombs in this set. Yeah. And the reality is a lot of that stuff is also going to appeal to your commander players. Cause a lot of those are going to be high dollar cards getting a reprint, you know, some cards getting foil for the first time, you know, all kinds of stuff like that, that is going to appeal to that community. So it's, almost like getting back-to-back commander sets in a way. Not really, but kind of. You know what I mean? So I think this is fine. Really, I think the people that are upset about it not being worth more or whatever, I'm just like, uh, I think it's in the right spot. I think this is where we want to be with this type of set because both from the player and from the vendor, I think you needed one of them to not be as good as the other one. and. Real talk, whether people like to hear it or not, Double Masters 2 is going to be the more expensive booster set. So if I'm in wizard shoes and I'm like, I got to make sure people have money to spend on one versus the other, I'm going to make sure is the one we're going to make the most money on. So from a power level standpoint in chase cards, you make the commander set a little bit weaker, but you go, let's double down on Double Masters. And I think that's a smart move because I was looking the other day. There's a bunch of random cards that in the last couple of years since the last Double Masters set have increased in value. Hell, some of the cards that got reprinted in Double Masters are back to being valuable again. I think like Archangel of Thune is like 25, 27 bucks, you know, and that was reprinted in that set two years ago. 
So it dropped down and has already recovered in price. So like there's a chance it's going to appear in that set again. Who knows? And we have a whole other round of Magic players that started playing in the last couple of years because of the pandemic or whatever. Or people that got reintroduced to the community. So a bunch of them are going to need a lot of these cards. I, I think Commander Double Masters 2 has a chance to be really, really good. I think it has a chance to be a huge seller. So I kind of get it. But hey, I'm still going to get me some Commander Legends. I think it's going to be fun. I think there's a lot of useful cards. And I honestly believe... There's a lot of cards in the set that are sneaky good to where they're not like obvious, but as you start seeing them appear in deck lists over the next three, four years, I think you're going to see some of these cards creep up in value because this set is also going to be under-opened because you're going to have a lot of people within three weeks, hell, maybe within even two weeks, start saving money for my Double Masters too. So in the history, the timeline of Magic Boosters, this one's just not going to get as much attention to get opened as much. So that stands to reason less of these cards in circulation could end up being worth more in like a three to five year window. So just putting that out there for everybody. But I think it's interesting. And sometimes you think stuff is less powerful than Anomaly murders everybody with squirrels. It just, it just goes that way sometimes. That's fair. That is a thing that happens. But yeah, let's talk about some event stuff we've got coming up. Now, I don't know if you caught the interview this week, Brian, but there was a podcast interview on Humans of Magic where they interviewed Pete Hoffling, the owner of Star City Games. And that in and of itself isn't that much news, you know. And OK, before I say anything here, I want I want to be transparent. One, I have known Pete for a very long time. Like, I wouldn't say that we're like close friends, but we're cordial with each other. We're friendly. We like each other. We've helped each other out over the years. And I've known Pete for, I don't know, it feels like probably 20 years at this point. And Ben over at Star City, we used to play in some of the same events because Ben used to be at stuff in, in Louisiana or whatever. So I do have a history with them there. And I and am in going fairness, to... I guess I should put before I opine, mention that I know neither of these people. So that, you know, that affects your take too. So let yeah, me absolutely. put that out there. And I am going to Command Fest this weekend as a one of their guests. So I... I don't want to come off as just like, oh, I'm just saying this because I'm protecting somebody or whatever. Like, I, my opinion is still what it is. You know as well as I do. Like, hey, just because you give me money doesn't mean that, like I'm magically a shill all of a sudden. <laughs> but I do want to put that out there because I don't want pe- me to say something and then people come back and go like, ah, did you say it just because of this reason or whatever? I, I just want to be fair about it. But that being said, it's a long interview. It's, it's damn near three hours, I think. But about somewhere around the 140 to 145 uh, point in the interview, he does talk about how some of his events are not going to have the COVID protocols in place like we have for this weekend with Command Fest. Which, by the way, that's one of the reasons I am going to Command Fest as my first event back, because it does have the litany of COVID protocols. Hell, a matter of fact, I just this morning submitted my uh, vaccine card or whatever to them so they have it on record to speed up registration when I get there. So that part I get there's, and we've talked about it before. There's sometimes it's just like, there's some States, you get some feedback behind the scenes, you know, whatever that leads you making that decision. And at least people know ahead of time for their Syracuse event that the COVID protocols won't be in place or whatever. And you can make proper decisions or whatever. And we'll talk about that a little more with another event in a minute. But 
he said something that I partially agreed with, which some people seem to take offense with, that I believe the way he phrased it was, people have to remember that Twitter's not real life. And I don't think he's wrong. Like, I've talked about it before, how we've trained people at Wizards when I was there, we would have discussions about sometimes you just got to ignore some stuff on social media because it's not as big as it seems. Right. I've, I've run a store and literally have witnessed people like things that you would think were the thing in the magic news. Maybe two of my customers that came in that day even knew it was a discussion. Right. It's, it's just the way it is. So that part, I don't disagree. But when he went on and kind of like, I don't know. I'm trying to think the best word. He almost came off unsympathetic. And I think that's what we're like. I it, I don't think people put it in those words, but when you see what everybody's complaining about, like it's almost like he, he just disregarded people's want for there to be more protocols and was just like, yeah, it's whatever. Like people are just blowing it up. It's not that big a deal. We've made a decision, you know, whatever. And I almost felt like, that's one of those interviews that like when you when you wonder why you have celebrities like these wrestlers and stuff and go do these podcasts and there's always like a PR person in the room with them. Exactly. <laughs> I was that was going to be my first thing is like, hey, if you need a PR person, I am qualified to do that. Yeah, like, that's sort of what I felt like. Like and, and I sort of feel like he got into one of these and it was a long interview and they talked about a lot of stuff about like the history of the business and, you know how he came up with stuff and, you know, upbringing, all that, right? There was a bunch of stuff in the interview. And I feel like you just got to that point where you're just talking. Yeah. And you didn't really like, you just didn't stop to think about like, uh, something just because you can, doesn't mean you should say it, you know? And, and again, we've talked about before. People are going to, at this point, I've accepted that people are just going to make whatever decisions they're going to make during the pandemic, whether I agree with you or not. You're going to make the decisions that's best for you, your business, your family, whatever. I don't have to agree with it. I just accept it. It sucks. That's just the way it's going to be. But I think where people are starting to have problems is when it comes off, like I said, unsympathetic. Like you just don't care and you're just regarding everybody. Like I think that's the part that's rubbed people wrong. A million people just in America have died. So Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Like I, I talked about this in a video to my my uh, channel subscribers over on, on YouTube, my members, as they call them on YouTube. But it's a tough thing, even as a creator, right? Because if I don't go to these upcoming events, I'm now going to fall way behind, right? Either in regard to being able to make content based around those things or connections and projects and future endorsements or whatever, potentially. So I get why other people want to do these things. Like I'm still doing some of them, but I'm trying to be selective in the ones I'm going to and how I'm going to treat things while I'm there. But I'm trying to both be safe as I can be, but also do the best I can to keep forwarding my career effectively. So it's hard to judge people for wanting to go to these events or even in the case of Star City to run these events. Because, you know, your your money funnel has been very light the last couple of years and i understand that as well but i think when and maybe that's the the crux of the argument for a lot of things right now is when it comes off unsympathetic that's when you get way more opposition because there's a lot of things we're not going to agree on as humans right but 
for somebody to basically just say like, well, those opinions don't matter or those people don't care or like, eh, we've already made our decision. It's whatever. Right. Like that, I think, is the part that that upsets people. And I just felt like, man, Pete, like, and it'll be gone. Like, I have dealt with people over the years. And this is why I'm, and this is why I gave the the kind of preface with the statements I did. It's like, I don't think he's a bad dude. I wouldn't even say he's a selfish person, at least in my experience. But that did come off poorly. Right? It felt like, dude, you should have had a PR person. You know, I if that was a tweet, I would have been listening to Herm Edwards say, don't hit send. Right. You know, that's, sort of, that's sort of what that felt like. Like I'm listening to it and I actually had the point of just like in my head was just like, oh, Pete, why are you going to do this, man? Right. This is not the time or the place, you know. So it's a rough one, man. It's a rough one. If you hadn't listened to it, it's worth got, listening to. Uh, I would say, again, I got 20 years experience writing and or rewriting press releases. So if you want to, you know, <laughs> if you need stuff looked over before you hit send. For real. And I know you're cheaper than a lot of PR folks would be. Right. So, you know, hit up my boy, Pete, and, if you, you want to get some help. Of actually knowing how to play Magic and numerous other board games. Yep. Hit up Brian. He's got time. Get get them paid for real. But yeah, speaking of we like I said, we mentioned some events. Let's talk about another event that looks like they're having an issue. So remember how we talked about an anime convention? What was it? Hell, it's just like two weeks ago, I right? think. Right. It was that, that long ago at all. On a Monday, pulled down their COVID protocols and removed them for an event that was happening on a Friday. We just had something similar happen with DreamHack. So DreamHack Dallas is this weekend, which coincidentally same weekend as Command Fest Richmond. And apparently their COVID protocol restrictions got really loosened up at the last minute. I'm starting to think this may be the new protocol. And it's again, like the stuff I was talking about earlier with the transphobic comedians where it's just been discussed behind the scenes. The new protocol is going to be, hey, we're going to start out with COVID restrictions. Then right when people can't cancel we're just going to pull them back because this is what at least the second or third convention we see pull the stunt. Yep. And again, I I do have somewhat of a working relationship with DreamHack. So again, you know, people say, I don't, I found out you're going to be working with them. Yes, I, I do have something behind the scenes that are in the works with them. However, it doesn't change my opinion that like, uh, this is rough because again, if you're going to have whatever rules you're going to have, fine. Like, I don't have to agree with them. You do what you got to do. And again, I get it. This is an event happening in Texas where it's basically been the Wild West the whole pandemic. Maybe trying to save yourself some headaches or whatever. I get it. But when people are planning with certain things in place, people that have already bought plane tickets, bought hotel, you know, some of them cashed in time off at work, you know, whatever it is. And now you're telling them like a week out, they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, this isn't going to be a thing. And it's like, ah, man, why? Why? Because at that point, you've already done everything. And it and it looked to me like a lot of people were planning to go to DreamHack. Hell, one of the poker things I watch that streams The Lodge in Austin, a couple of their workers are going to DreamHack this week. So people from all over in different walks of life are going to DreamHack. So I don't even think it was an attendance thing. I wouldn't imagine. Maybe I'm wrong. And I just happen to know a bunch yeah, of people. Yeah, you feel like DreamHack is is well well established enough to where the word that wouldn't be a thing. I would think. I, I may be completely wrong, but 
Yeah, I'm in the same boat you are. Now, I will say this. I When I last looked, I didn't see a couple of mentions of COVID. However, before the show, I went to their website again, and they do have a couple of things in their FAQ about COVID. Basically saying that they are still going to have ticket caps for their events and on certain days and on certain areas. So they're going to try to limit humans within certain spaces. They are going to try to strategically plan how some stuff is handled. They also want to make sure like where you're queuing in line and stuff like that has plenty of room. So they're remapping where their stanchions are going to be and all that stuff. So it's not like they're ignoring COVID. So at least give them that, right? They're at least saying, we know this is still potentially a thing. So it's all good. Now, they did include a thing that said, if we are required by local authorities to enforce a mass mandate, rapid testing, or required proof of vaccination, we understand you might not want to attend. As such, if you purchase a ticket before we announce some of those things, we will refund you the price. So with there being changes one way or the other, they are at least honoring refunds. So if something changed, and fortunately, let's say you're in the area and you were going to drive up there or whatever, all right, you can get a refund and not feel too bad about it. And that's actually at least reasonable. It's good they're doing that. Yeah, so they at least are, though some things change, they at least have said, hey, we get it. Some people may not want to attend. We'll give you a refund. And they are at least saying, hey, if there are things that change with the local stuff or whatever, and you change your mind as well, that's fine too. So yeah, I mean, and again, the people I know who are involved with that seem like reasonably good people. So I'm not sure why the decisions were made. I'm not in those rooms. It just feels weird. As I you said, know? it feels like people probably discussed this beforehand. And this, if we see another convention do this, I'm going to feel like, okay, or either it was talked about beforehand or else they saw other people do it and get away with it and said, hey, it worked for them. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if it's a number of, like I said, maybe it's saving headaches because, you know, we've seen this in places that were not necessarily the best during COVID. You know what I mean? It hasn't, it's not like it happened in the state of Washington or whatever at any point, right? Because then I'd be really concerned, but like that's not been a thing here. So I don't know, but it's just something to be aware of. I want to put on people's radar. Like, hey, if you are going, understand that procedures are a little different. Make your decision based on that. Just know what you're getting into. They're at least giving refunds. So that's something to be aware of as well. And I appreciate they're at least still acknowledging that, hey, we are aware that COVID is still a thing and we're still doing these other efforts. That's more than we got out of the anime convention. They're at least saying, hey, we're at least making these other things, even if we're not asking for everybody's like vaccine and whatever. But... Regardless, I'm still going to be a mask user, even with all the stuff in place. Well, we already have mandated mask at Command Fest, but I'm even limiting my space outside of the event to just a handful of people. You know, at the event, fine. We're all going to be in the same venue. That's just what we're doing. But from what I understand, people that have been attending events, a lot of them have gotten stuff from mask events because they're out at these like after parties, raves, going out to dinner with big groups, you know, whatever. And you're obviously unmasked the whole time. Right. And I think that's where some of this is originating from. Now, don't get me wrong. There's been some people have still gotten sick just being at the event with their mask or whatever. But a lot of the people I've spoken to that have gotten are like, yeah, it probably was when I went and did this thing. Or, yeah, you know, I spent each night out doing this thing. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, so still got to watch yourselves out there, people. Still got to watch yourselves. But let's talk about an interesting thing in this week's dinner table, man. So... 
for those that aren't American that are listening, American culture has a we're we're a big tipping culture. Partly because we don't take care of all our employees and a bunch of people don't make enough money. But part of our culture is to tip people, right? You you do a good job, we toss you an extra five bucks or two bucks or whatever it is, right? Maybe you come, we go to a nice restaurant, family eats out, put another $15, $20 on the ticket for, for the servers. But we tip at a lot of random places, right? A lot of people tip their barber, a couple of dollars. You know, hell, I go down to the smoothie place. Sometimes their machine just has an option for a tip. I'll toss them two bucks or whatever if they're really busy and they're still working hard, whatever. But then I realized, I don't think I've ever done that for somebody in the game industry. Like, have you ever even considered when you've been to a convention and see like the craziness they're dealing with the big lines or a big tournament where they've got 500 to 1,000 people and people are hustling around everywhere? Have you ever thought about like, yeah, let me just toss them a fiver? I don't think I have. And why not? Right. See, like, and I'm guilty, too, because like now, admittedly, I've told you before, I at least tried to pay my employees decently. And I don't think I had anybody that made true minimum wage. So I guess it wasn't a necessity in my store. But like, in hindsight, I don't even think I've ever even had anybody offer. Hell, you barely get people to give you the keep the change thing. You know what I mean? Like, so like, but why don't we? And if you haven't thought of it, I'm sure who has? Yeah, but like I was thinking about it, right? You go to your local store and they're like taking pre-orders. They're doing game demos. They're looking up cards for you. They're running events late night. You know, they're doing all these things yeah. way more than like my barber does. Not that, not that I'm disparaging barbers. I like the barbers I go to and I tip them. But like from a service standpoint, the people at my game store have to do like four or five extra jobs sometimes. You know, the people running the events are hustling around, dealing with people with late registration, computer issues, trying to keep things moving on time, hustling judges, collecting match results, slip, all this stuff, right? But in my head, I've never even considered, like, I should probably tip this judge that's come around to my table four or five times, like, busting his ass. Right? I've just never had that be a thing. Like, I've never been in the game store and, you know, this woman that I see a bunch of times and she's looked up stuff for me and taking my pre-orders and making sure like she knows my name, make sure my stuff's there when I walk in. Like, it's never crossed my mind to be like, hey, here's a couple dollars. Even though she's providing an amazingly positive experience when I go in there and I feel like such a jerk when I had this realization. And I don't even know why. It's like we've decided so, now, don't be wrong. I think she gets paid decent because the owners there care and whatever. But like, I think we just have decided some jobs are tippable and some jobs aren't. Which is weirdly arbitrary. Because like, I know people who tip the doorman at some buildings and all he did literally is open the door. <laughs> like, not that, you know, his job probably comes with some risk, and I'm sure he probably helps other people bring in luggage and stuff. Saying, probably your, your, your doorman doesn't help you run elaborate scams like Ralph from the Jeffersons? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Ralph deserved tips, yeah. right? But, like, I was thinking about that. Like, things we we decide need to be tipped and things we don't are just kind of arbitrary. There's no real reason or at all, right? Because think about, like, all the, like, there's, I'm sure there's random things you have tipped for, and other things you just haven't. But when you think about it, it's like the things you didn't tip for actually required more work sometimes. Absolutely. 
That's such a weird. I, and I feel like I said, I feel bad because I didn't even have this thought until this week. Like literally my whole adult life has been in the game industry and I had the thought for the first time last week. And again, if you, a former game store owner, and at this point, I would say almost lifetime yeah. gaming employee for all intents and purposes, some aspect of the industry. That's so yeah, weird. It just now occurred to you. I'm, I'm fairly certain it hadn't occurred to anybody else. Now, admittedly, we should just be paying people a living wage or whatever, and it should not even be a discussion. But the fact that, like I said, like there are random things we do that we're like, yeah, we'll just add a tip to this. And then other things that we're just like, okay, cool. Here's the bill. And I pay it. But it's not like, I haven't, I don't even know if I like, I'm trying to think like maybe once ever even seen a tip jar at a register at a game store or at a tournament or whatever. Or even like, honestly, we should start a thing at events. where, like, you know what? We're going to start a a tip box and we're going to split this up for the staff and the judges or whatever at the event. And anybody wants to, you can contribute some money to the box. And at the end of the event, we pay out all the judges or whatever. And even if everybody just gets an extra 10 bucks or 12 bucks, we're fine. They at least got something extra for being there and helping out, right? And working hard for 10, 12 hours sometimes in a day. Especially being a judge, because a lot of them are on their feet all day. They're running around. Even if they're ruling correctly, somebody's always going to be mad at them. It's like a referee in an event. You know, home team's always going to be happy when it goes their way. They're going to be mad when it doesn't, Right. But we don't think about that at all. So, yeah, like I said, it's just interesting thought. Something to give consideration to. Maybe we should be tipping game industry employees is all I'm saying when when they're providing services for us and doing things. And don't feel bad if you hadn't thought about it because I hadn't until this week. Which is crazy. But all right, Brian, want everybody where they can find you on socials. Great. I am Brian Sionic on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, and our family channel on YouTube is Allen's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And don't forget, you can go to our website and find our new tokens starting next week. And you can come get some stuff from me for free if you run into me, I guess, at the airport while I'm traveling or at Command Fest Richmond. But as always, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourself and your family with all the crap still out in the world. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 